How are you all doing? How many are back at work? How many are still on holiday? How many people that are back at work think those are still on holiday suck? Yeah. (laughs) Pray for those that are still on holiday that we get them back here nice and safe that are part of our church family. And um, and please make sure we be praying for the youth this week at summer camp. It's really important. You need to be praying for for, um, Andre and Anna too. They're only seven weeks away from their wedding. Followed by Utz and Maddie, 13 weeks away from their wedding. If you want to get married this year, then just sign up at the info desk and um, we'll get it sorted for you. Hey! Um, so good to have you here. Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, hey, this, anybody here likes doing New Year's resolutions? You like making New Year's resolutions? Anyone? Don't be ashamed if you do. How many people don't like making them? Cool. There's something about a new year, right, that always brings a little bit of hope where people are like, right, it's a new year, I can leave last year behind me, clean slate, and and there's a bunch of things I'm going to do this year, some big changes I'm going to make this year in my life, and I'm going to get fit, I'm going to eat right, and I'm going to do all that stuff, and three weeks later, all those resolutions have gone out the window, right? So I'm, I'm not a resolution maker because I don't think I've kept one resolution I've ever made in my life. Don't look at me like that. You're the same. But the thing that puzzles me a little bit when we come into a new year is because we come into a new year and we're like, right, I'm going to make some big changes. I'm going to change some things. Here's the thing. I think when we come into a new year, it's purely a psychological thing that we think that way because the reality is you can make a change to your life any day. You don't have to wait for a new year. But we always tend to wait for a new year, right? And we always think about these big changes that we need to make. We try to make these big changes. It lasts for a short period of time because a big change is overwhelming. And what most people don't realize, or we should realize, is actually the little things over a period of time that bring the biggest changes to our lives. In fact, I would suggest to you the things that you see in other people's lives that you want is based on them doing the little things over a long period of time that gives them the big difference that it makes. You know, when I was about 17, 16 years of age, there was a guy in our church and he just had an incredible relationship with God and I, I kind of admired that and, and I remember saying to him one day, I said, you know, what, what, what's, what's, the, what's the one big thing that you did that caused your life to be so transformed that you have this relationship with God, like you have like, like, what's that one big thing? And he said to me, oh, it wasn't really a big thing. He said, I just made a decision a few years ago that I was going to read my Bible for 15 minutes a day. And I did that faithfully over a long period of time, and that's what made the significant difference in my life. And in fact, Craig, reading the Bible 15 minutes a day means that I read it cover to cover every year, just 15 minutes a day. And, and I came away from that conversation. I went, you know, I can do that. I can do 15 minutes. I can do 15. So for 34 years, I've read my Bible for 15 minutes a day, every day, for 34 years, and it's made the biggest, most gigantic change in my life just because of a 15-minute discipline that's changed my life. I remember once having a conversation with a marriage counselor. I remember saying to him, what's, what's the one thing, you know, what's the big thing that I could do to make my marriage, Trinity and my marriage, 
everything that, you know, that we hoped it would be. And he goes, oh, that's really easy, Craig. You need to pray together every day. If you want a great marriage, you need to pray together every day. So straight away, I'm like, what? Like for an hour, because every time we hear the word prayer, if you're an intercessor here, God bless you. You've got a gift on your life. You can pray for hours on end. But most of us don't have that gift. And usually after about five minutes, our brain is thinking about 5,000 different things, right? Can I, don't leave me hanging here. Yep. And so I'm thinking an hour a day praying with Trinity, like, I don't think I can do that. And he goes, no, 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 no. Not an hour a day. It, it could be 30 seconds, five minutes. It could be in the morning. It could be in the evening. It could be after work. Just, just, it's not about the length. It's about the discipline of praying together every day. Because while you're praying together, you're talking to each other and you're setting up a spiritual connection that you don't get as a married couple any other way. And I went, you know what? I can do that. I can pray with Trinity every day for five minutes. And for, so from that time on, which, I mean, we're going to be 30 years this year. I, I'm pretty sure it's about 20 years ago. Um, we pray together every day before we go to sleep for five minutes. And that one thing has probably made the biggest difference in our marriage because a small discipline done consistently over a long period of time makes a big difference. Are you hearing me today? See, I believe of all of my heart that you can have a very different year this year and it's not because you need to make big changes. It's you just need to make little changes and be faithful to those little changes over the whole year. And I guarantee you, by the end of this year, your life will be incredibly transformed. In fact, your life will be a life that everybody else wants because you've done the little things faithfully that lead to a big difference. You know, we're going to share scripture shortly in it, Zechariah chapter 4, but, I, I, but I, need to, I need to give you a bit of background to what's happening right here in the scripture. See, when, when this was written or when it was written about, this was a time when the temple of God was, had been completely destroyed. Not, not just like a little bit, like, like Nebuchadnezzar like raised it to the ground, stole all the, all the special temple stuff, and, and it just didn't exist. And then all of the Israelites were taken away into captivity, into Babylon. And, and so this is a real low point in the history of Israel. And people are, are really, really depressed. But in 537 BC, um, Zerubbabel, who was one of the Israelites, he was allowed to take the small leftover community of people back to Israel. Now, you have to understand that when Israel came out of Egypt, there was three million of them. When Zerubbabel takes what's left back to Israel, there's 50,000 of them. It's a small, what they call remnant, of people that were still there after all of this time. So this is a, this is a big scenario, right? And so all of a sudden, because they're going back to their home country, there's a little bit of hope there. They're going back to the land that they're supposed to live in. They're out of captivity now. And 18 years later, after they get back to their own land, God speaks to King Zerubbabel at that time and said, I'm going to give you the power to rebuild the temple. I'm going to give you the ability to rebuild this temple that was destroyed by your enemies and get the temple of God back functioning again. And we start here in, in Zechariah 4 verse 6, and it says, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. If you want a name for a child, I just gave you one. 
It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who has laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Verse 10, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He says here, it's not by force, and it's not by might. In other words, the temple is not going to be built in a way that you get the credit for it, Zerubbabel. Your life is not going to be built in a way that you get the credit for it. Your life will be built in the way that God gets the credit and God gets the glory. And he's saying to Zerubbabel, it's not going to be by your efforts, it's going to be by my spirit so that I get the glory of the rebuild. I want to encourage you this year. This year could be everything that you dreamed it could be if you decide to let his spirit build your life instead of you trying to do it yourself. If you decide that he's the one that's going to get the credit, you'll be all right. You can you can change under your own power to a degree. You can you can make some incremental improvements to your life in your own power, in your own ability. But I want to tell you, if you're tap into a greater power than what you possess, if you're tap into this power of the Holy Spirit, it won't be by your effort and it won't be by your power, but it will be by His Spirit that He completely and totally transforms you and people will acknowledge it and realize that it was actually God that did it and not you. You can try your best all day long to make all the changes that you want to make, but when you tap into the Spirit of God, there's a strength beyond what you can muster that you can call upon. Why? Because His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. You see, I don't know about you, but I, why do it the hard way when I can do it the God way? You're quiet today. You see, if you're like me, some of us have tried to change something or improve something in our lives for years. And we, we, just, we just don't seem to be able to do it. Like I've been, I've been working on a six-pack now for 30-odd years. You, you guys don't even laugh at my jokes anymore. I'm so depressed. It's a new year, new sense of humor. I've been working on getting my six-pack for 30 years. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but Trinity's cooking's too good. And it just doesn't happen. Some of you have tried and tried and tried to make some of the changes that you want to make. You've tried and tried and tried to make the changes in your marriage. You've tried and tried and tried to make the changes in your finances. You've tried and tried and tried to make changes in your personal walk with Jesus. And you feel like you just, you just can't do it. It's not getting anywhere. But I want to tell you that this year could be completely different for you if you understand it's not by your might and it's not by your power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. In other words, he says to Zerubbabel and he says to you and I, I'm going to give you the power to rebuild the temple. You, you, you can't do it yourself. 
It's impossible. You, you think about Zerubbabel looking at the temple. You remember the last temple that they destroyed was the one built by Solomon, which was the most ridiculously phenomenal temple where even the floor was gold. It's like we're talking about, and then you got Zerubbabel, who's got 50,000 people who have nothing because they've been in captivity for years and years and years. I don't think they're going to build it to the same standard as Solomon. And so he needs to understand something that you're, you're not going to rebuild it in your ability, bro. You're going to rebuild it by the power of my spirit. And and I want to encourage you, if there's parts of your life that needs to be rebuilt, if there's parts of your world that needs to be rebuilt, if there's parts of your marriage that needs to be rebuilt, you can try in your own power and your own strength, and you might make some incremental changes and small differences. But if you allow the Spirit of God to take control, He'll give you the power to rebuild that temple. Verse 7 says, says not, nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. The thing I love is when God calls someone to do something, there's no force on earth that can stop the power and the will of God through that person. When God calls you to do something that he's called you to do, nothing can stand in the way of that. You become an unstoppable force. It goes on and it says, And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, May God bless it. May God bless it. I love the fact that even before construction has started, even before they've laid one stone, God already sees the end. So even before you even attempt to make the small change in your life that God puts on your heart, God knows the result of that small change that is surrendered to him. He knows the result of what the power of that can be. And that's why God always speaks to us about our future. And, and you're standing here and he's talking about your future over here and how amazing your future can be because God understands that if we can make a decision right here, right now, a small little change over a long period of time will lead to a big major difference in our lives. He always calls us to the future. The enemy always tries to pin you to your past because the enemy has no access to your future. That's why he said, uh, that's why Jesus said, Simon, Simon, the devil has desired to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that when you go through, once you've gone through this, I'm not going to save you from it, but once you've gone through this, you're standing and strengthening your brothers. The problem is he wasn't Simon then, he was Peter. The reason why Jesus said, Simon, Simon, is because the enemy only ever has access to your past. He never has access to your future. And so when the enemy takes his toll on you or takes you through or tries to sift you as wheat, he's always trying to sift you through your past failures, your past faults, your past experiences. But God is always trying to redirect us into our future based on decisions that we make that are small that lead to great beat differences. You can always tell if it's the enemy that's having a go at you because it'll pin you to your past. You can always tell if somebody has a prophetic word over your life or a word of God over your life. You can always tell if it's godly because if it's godly, it'll always redirect you into a great future. If it's not godly, it'll always condemn you for your past. That's why we generally, we don't, we, we, we don't mind having prophecy in church. You just got to run it past us. First, why? Because we want to protect people as we don't want people pinned to their past. We want people exploding into their futures. Verse 8 says, another message came to me from the Lord. Oh, I don't even know where I am now. 
Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. You see, the crazy thing, when you look into the background of this story, and the book of Ezra, there's a little bit about it, is that you'll find out when you look into it that the beginning of the rebuild, the initial phases of the construction were, were really, really awkward, and it was really, really slow. You know, it's one of the moments where this is the Lord declares, we're going to rebuild the temple, Woo-hoo! and then it just, it's like, really? Like, when? Why is this taking so long? And, and, and in Israel, it shares that there were times where the people visited the early stage of the construction of the temple, and, and the Bible says that they actually cried. Not cried because the temple was being rebuilt, but cried because they're embarrassed about how unimpressive it was. They were crying because like, this is it? This is what you've done so far? This is what it looks like? Are you serious? They were crying because they were embarrassed about how pathetic it was. They were like, this is so small and so pathetic. There's just a few rocks. This isn't going to amount to anything. And the reality is, That's how we often feel about our lives. It's just small, it's pathetic, it's just a few rocks. Like this, this can't, this can't, this can't lead to anything significant. Why why are we so embarrassed so often by our small beginnings? We should never be embarrassed about small beginnings because in the kingdom of God, small means everything. If you have the faith of a mustard seed. Small. And you command this mountain to be thrown into the sea, it shall happen. If you are faithful in the small things, God will give you much. If you are faithful with the little finances that you have and you give it towards the kingdom, then God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you don't have enough to contain it. The power of the kingdom is always about small because small requires faithfulness and faithfulness in the kingdom is what gets you promoted. Small is not insignificant. Small is where everything starts. Every, everything in nature starts with a seed. You started with a seed. Every tree you look at starts with a seed. Every vegetable you eat starts with a seed. Everything starts small. Even the, the Eiffel steak that we had for dinner last night started off small. Everything starts small. But faithfulness over a long time leads to big things. We get so embarrassed so often by our small beginnings. Verse 10 says, and I hope this will encourage you, but verse 10 says, do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You see, to build something, it means that you've got to put down one stone upon one stone, upon one stone, and you have to start somewhere. Walls don't just appear. They happen stone after stone after stone. And here's the thing. The Lord rejoices in the faithful small things that are started. How do I get God happy with me? Just do the little things. Start with the little things. When he sees you making little changes in your life, he rejoices. 
He gets excited. Oh, yeah, but I, but I, need, I need to be here. No, 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 no. No, he rejoices in here. He rejoices in it. And here's the thing. It's always focus on the small things because the much always comes from the small. The much never comes from the much. It always comes from the small. Well, if you're faithful in the small things, God will give you much. The much things you want in your life always come from the small stuff. We focus so much on the big stuff and we neglect being faithful in the small things and then we wonder why we don't have the much things. It's the little things in the kingdom that matter the most. The hello to someone when they walk in the door, the smile on your face when you greet them. It's the little things in the kingdom that matter the most. And the problem is, is that most of us think the little things don't matter because we look at everybody else's life like a highlight's reel. We don't see any of the behind the scenes and so we get so intimidated, especially with social media, right? Yeah? I, 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 I'll give you a challenge this year. How about we change social media and we post, mums and dads, we post pictures of our kids having tantrums instead of, here they are, playing nicely at the beach. They're just trying to drown each other two seconds ago, but look. We look at other people and we see where they are and we, we feel intimidated by it because all we're seeing is a highlights reel. For example, throughout Scripture, there are people like that. Ruth. I can think of Ruth. I don't know about you guys, but how many people would like a husband like Boaz? Whoa, no one. Boaz was, was probably the best husband in the Bible, but if you don't want, you want a, you want a dumb ass, a lazy ass, or you want a Boaz? See, a lot of people say, I want, I want a husband like Boaz, but we forget, we forget that Ruth was faithful to Naomi, her mother-in-law, even when she didn't have to be when it would have been easier not to be faithful to Naomi and go back to her home country, she decided to look after her mother-in-law and be faithful. She was faithful out in the fields every single day, years after years, time after time, collecting the leftover wheat and stuff on the ground to look after Naomi. And it was the faithfulness of her doing that that caused the doors to open of God's blessing in her life through Boaz. It was the things that nobody else saw that resulted in a marriage that everybody else wants. Well, what about Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den, man. What great faith, yeah? What incredible faith to stand there in the middle of the lion's den and, and not be frightened. I don't know about you, but I've, I've had a fence between me and a lion when it roared at me, and that caused me to wet my pants, let alone being in the same room as one without a fence in between us. He's in there in this den and he has this great faith and he's standing in the den and man, I'd love unwavering faith like that. I'd love to have that kind of a faith in the midst of really tough circumstances. But we forget, we forget that Daniel three times a day, year after year, he stopped whatever he was doing and he knelt down three times a day and sought the Lord in prayer. What kind of faith do you think that you and I would have if we devoted ourselves to praying three times per day specifically and seeking after the heart of God. It's the things that no one else sees that results in what everybody else wants. And I'm hoping that over the next three weeks that we're going to focus on three areas of our lives. We're going to focus on our thoughts. 
We're going to focus on our words and we're going to focus on our habits. Why? Because our thoughts become words, our words become actions, our actions become habits, and your habits create your destiny, creates your future. And we're going to make some more small changes every week. Small changes in the way we think, small changes in the way we speak, in the way we behave, and in those small changes, no one else will notice. Other people may not realize what's going on for you, but that'll bring the results that everybody else wants because we're making small changes because when you focus on one thing, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And the main reason why we fail at New Year resolutions is because we have 50,000 of them, and I believe what God is asking for is what's the one thing, what's the one little thing that you can change this year that if you do faithfully over the year will lead to a big difference. You know, I decided to have a look in Scripture, the two words, one thing, one thing. How often does it come up in the Bible and it's it's actually a really common phrase. It comes up all the time, one thing, one thing, one thing, all the time. And I, I think we, we try to do too many things, right? We try to do a thousand things. But if you look all the way through Scripture, there's people time after time that we would look up to that actually just focused on one thing. I, I, I think of King David, for example. King David, Jesus, God said that he was a man after God's own heart. I don't know about you, but I, that's, pretty, that's pretty good on your, on your tombstone, right? Like, I would like to be somebody who's after God's own heart. I like to think that I'm a person that's pursuing God's own heart. Well, David said this. He said, the one thing I want and the one thing I desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the one thing he wanted. That's it. If your number one thing is the desire to be in God's presence, guess what you can be? A man or a woman after God's own heart. One thing. It's the power of focus. I think of Paul in the New Testament, who was the greatest apostle of, of all time. Now, Paul had a really hard life before he was a Christian and after he was a Christian. He made... He faced massive persecution. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was left for dead. He was snake bitten. He was hungry. He was stoned many times with real stones, not stones. The guy endured massive, massive pain. And you know what he said? You know what Paul said? He said this, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is Ahead, this one thing I do, I leave the past behind me and I strain towards the future in front of me. Why? Because I'm not going to let the past define my future because God has something awesome for me in my future and I won't allow the past to define what my future looks like in God. So this one thing I do, I let go of all of that. If that's one thing that you could do this year, be let go of all of the past. Let go of all the stuff that is somehow becoming the filter of your future. And you can't see a good future because you keep on looking at it through your past seasons. And God said, no, 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 leave that behind. Turn your back on that. Look forward into what he has for you. And that's what Paul did. I'm moving forward because God has something else for me. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me 
and straining towards what is ahead of me. When you focus on one thing, it's amazing what God can do. But when you miss your one thing, it's amazing the blessings that you miss out on. Jesus goes over to Mary and Martha's house in Luke chapter 10. Mary's enjoying the presence of Jesus at his feet. Martha's running around trying to host, trying to get those cheese scones heated up. Jesus looks at her and he says, Martha, you're upset about many things. And I was just upset because Mary was being lazy while you're doing everything. It feels like parenting, doesn't it? You're doing everything while your kids are being lazy. Maybe your kids aren't lazy. Can I send my kids over to your... No, just to... <laughs> I had to drop them in it. You're upset about many things, but only one thing, he says to her, only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed. Mary, who was sitting at the feet of Jesus, he says, she has chosen what is better and it won't be taken away from her. This one thing is more important. You miss the important thing because you're running around doing a whole lot of other things. Jesus encounters a wealthy, successful young man who wanted to follow Jesus, and he comes up to Jesus and says, I, I have kept all of your commandments. I've kept all of them. Jesus never once said that he hadn't kept his commandments. But the problem with this wealthy man was that the material possessions were so important to him that he was missing the true blessings of becoming a follower of Christ. And so Jesus says to him, this one thing you lack, just one thing, this one thing you lack. And if you get this one thing right, then you can help change the world. That's what he's saying to him. He says, go, sell your possessions, give away all your stuff, don't let it weigh you down, and then come and follow me. But the guy went away sad because he was unwilling to do the one thing that would leave to his changed life. What one thing is God speaking to you about? What one thing has God been speaking to you about for ages that you haven't done? It's often the small things that no one else sees that gets the results that everybody else wants. And so I've got some homework for you as I get Madison up on the keys. I've got some homework for you this week. Are you ready? Who likes homework? Who likes homework when I give it to you? Yeah. Oh. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go away this week, and I want you to seek God for one specific word for your life this year. One word. Not a sentence. One word. One specific word that will define and direct your year to come. Once you've got that one word, then you need to find a verse that goes with it. Because here's the problem. Most of us, we get a word from God, but we never get a scripture to go with it. And then when the enemy comes and he tries to shake us off that one word that God has given us, we have no truth to stand on to hold us to it. And I want to tell you, I would have, I would have left this church several times pastoring. Pastoring is it's tough. I'm not complaining. I love this church. I love being part of it. But it's mentally draining. And if it wasn't for the fact that I had a word, uh, two scriptures that God gave me to hold on to every single time I went for a difficult period, pastoring, I would have left ages ago. You need, you need a scripture to go with the word that God has given you. You need to find that one scripture, that one word. Why? Because when you put a, when you put a verse to it, it becomes not by your might and not by your power, but by His Spirit, 
that will empower you to move forward. And I want to encourage you, you will not believe how different your year can be or your life can be if you focused on one God-breathed Word to you. It can help you direct your decisions and guide your life. Why? Because it's amazing what God can do when you focus on one very direct Word. Do you want to know what the Word is that God gave me this year? Who wants to know? All right, a few of you. Some of you don't want to know. You don't care. This is the word I was praying, God, God, give me a word for this year. Give me a word for this year for my life. Not for the church, for my life. And I felt God clearly say to me, you're not going to be surprised by this when I say this to you, but I felt like God say to me, small. Small? Yep, small. I was like, can I have another one? Like how about conqueror or dominate? Success. No, small. That's your word for the year, Craig. Small. (laughs) What's your word? What's the word that God wants to give you? And when you hear and believe what God has spoken to you about that word, guess what? All of a sudden, there's a confidence that comes to your life. One, because you've heard from God. And you know that you can hear from God. And if you can hear from God for that one word, you can hear from God about everything that you're going to go through this year because you can hear Him once, you can hear Him a thousand times. And I encourage you that every verse has His voice. As you read the Scriptures, He can speak to you. And then all of a sudden, not only have I got a word and not only have I got a verse and not only do I have confidence and not only do I believe that God can speak to me, but now all of a sudden I've got some spiritual momentum because I've got this word from God about my life for this year. I've got this word. Maybe for you it's some other word like patience, love, grace, mercy. I don't know what it is, but write it down. Find a verse. Well, how do I find a verse? Google or use the Bible app. And when you wake up every morning, there's a verse and there's a word that God has given you and you're focusing on it throughout the year. And suddenly now, because you've got this verse and a word that you're looking at every single day, now all of a sudden, you're starting to do that small little change and all of a sudden some discipline has come to your life and now all of a sudden some wise choices have been made because your choices have been filtered through this Word that God gave you. And then at the end of the year, someone's going to say to you, man, I can't believe the change in you this year. It's been huge. And you'll be able to say, oh no, it wasn't a big change. It was just a little change that I made consistently, faithfully, throughout the year that led to this big difference in my life, that led to this big difference in my marriage, that led to this big difference in my finances, that led to this big difference in my parenting, that led to this big difference in my relationship with God. You see, they might turn around and say to you, man, I I didn't realise you love God that much, but now you're like Mr. Church or Miss Church and you're always there and you're always, it's because this little thing has caused a big difference in my life or I I, I didn't think that you guys had a very good marriage but all of a sudden you're like newlyweds you can't leave each other alone and you'll be able to say it's because we made this one small change maybe it was praying together every day that led to a big difference 
in your life. And you're gonna say it wasn't anything really big that I did. I didn't make any big change. I just made this little change. The small thing that was in front of me, this word that God gave me, and I just decided to be faithful in the small things over time because you know that God loves you and God wouldn't give you a word that He doesn't want it to come to pass. God wouldn't give you a seed that He doesn't intend there to be a harvest. God loves new beginnings. He rejoices in the beginnings of new things. And so God said to me this year, your word is small. And then He gave me this verse. This is my verse for 2024. Matthew 25 verse 21. The Master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. In other words, God said to me, Craig, if you'll be faithful in the small things in your personal life, if you'll be faithful in your prayer, if you'll be faithful in the Word, if you'll be faithful in worship, if you'll be faithful in praying with your wife, if you'll be faithful in your giving, if you'll be faithful in these little things, then I'll give you much more responsibilities. Bigger things will open up to you. Greater things will happen for you. That's what I feel like God is saying to me, but it's all about the small. It's about keeping my eye on being faithful in the little things that He's called me to do. Hence why we're relaunching today in our church a thing called My 15. And you're going to get one of these when you leave this morning. It has a little magnetic strip on it and you can put it on your fridge. What's My 15? It's 15 minutes a day. We're going to commit ourselves to 15 minutes a day. Five minutes of prayer, five minutes of His Word, five minutes of worship, because we're going to commit ourselves to 15 minutes a day. Because why? Faithfulness in the small things leads to big change at the end of the year. And I'm telling you, if you'll just do this for 15 minutes a day, your life will change. Because when you're faithful in the small things over a consistent period of time, it leads to the bigger things in God. And some of you are trying to pursue this big stuff in God and God said, no, no, I need you to be faithful in the small stuff. And if you're faithful in that, God will do incredible things. And when people look at you and wonder why your life is so different, you'll just be able to say, hey, hey, it's, it's not big stuff, man. I just did my 15, seven days a week. I just did the little things. Don't, don't, don't let all the self-improvement books fool you. Six easy steps to change your life. If there were six easy steps to change your life, we would all do those six easy steps and all our lives would be changed. You know why six easy steps to change your life don't work? Because it's done in your strength and your power. Whereas when you do something like my 15, you're doing it by His Spirit, says the Lord. When somebody says, oh, why is your life so changed? Why? Why this big change in your life? Five minutes of His Word, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of worship every day. And by His Spirit, my life is transformed. Not on my own strength, not on my own effort. Don't let anybody fool you. It's not the big things. It's the faithfulness in the little things that bring about the biggest differences. You don't need to make big changes. You just need to get that one word with that one verse. Be faithful in that. God will transform you. I promise. Scripture says it. If you're faithful in the little, 
cobble you this much. Why don't we all close our eyes just for a moment? Sorry, I've gone, gone over our 60 minutes. We need to have 60 minute services, but sorry, it's an hour and 15. So I'm going to make this really, really quick for you. If you're here today and you're like, man, what, what, what shall I do? Well, here's the key thing. One really little thing that you can do that can make a big difference in your life is just ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour. He's already died on the cross for your sins. He's always already created a way for the forgiveness of your sin. You don't have to do anything other than receive His forgiveness, to repent of your sin and receive His forgiveness. And it's a really simple thing. We can do a prayer together in the prayer. There's nothing special about the prayer. It's just the fact that you turn around and say, hey, God, I want to give you my sin and I want to receive your salvation. I want you to be my Lord and help me live my life. That one small thing can make the biggest difference in your life. And there are a bunch of people in this in this building that have all made that decision and never, ever regretted that decision. It's made a massive difference in their life. And so if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never asked Him to be my Lord and Savior. I've never asked Him to forgive me for my sin. Or maybe you have, but you know that you're a long way away from where you should be with Him. And you're like looking at your life and you're going, there's so much I need to change and it feels overwhelming. Friend, there's just one little thing that you can do that will make a big difference in your life. And that is just to give your life to Christ. And so here in our first service for 2024, I want to ask you, if you're here today, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. That's all we're going to do. We're not going to drag you out of your seat. We're not going to embarrass you. We're just going to why everybody's got their eyes closed and not looking around. We're just going to ask you to lift your hand in a minute. And when I see your hand, I ask you to put it down and then we're just going to pray for you. And then, and then my recommendation would be that you fill out the Live Connected card in the seat pocket in front of you and pop it in, that, in one of the drop boxes and and if you want help, someone from here will follow you up and, and help you walk this journey with Jesus because it's your journey and we want to support you in your decision. If you're here today and you're like, man, I want to give my life to Christ or I want to recommit my life to Christ. Well, no one's looking around. If you just want to, at the count of three, put up your hand and as soon as I see it, I'll ask you to put it down. One, it's the best thing that you can do, easiest thing you can do to make the biggest difference in your life. Two, I encourage you, friend, you can do this today. Three, if that's you, put up your hand right now in this place if you need to give your life to Christ or you need to recommit is there anybody like that today last chance man if you were too scared in that moment to do it then I want to encourage you oh yep there's one thank you put your hand down awesome you know two three you know there's party in heaven right now should be a party here on earth yes I should have got ice creams to celebrate, but we only have cafe food. Hey, why don't we we stand to our feet? We're going to pray for those that lifted their hands. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I pray that you would pray with me. Because even though what they did just now was just a little thing by lifting their hands, all of hell is going to be against them, right? So we need all of heaven to be for them, yes? Let's pray for them. Father, we thank you for those that lifted their hands this morning. We thank you, God, that they acknowledge that they need you as their Lord and Saviour. I pray right now in that acknowledgement that they're asking you to come and forgive them of their sin and cleanse them of all the unrighteousness. I pray right now that you remove every bit of sin out of their world right now. You're thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. And right now, all they're going to feel in this moment is your love and your mercy and your grace being poured upon them, that they're going to feel clean, that the burdens 
who have been carried are going to be lifted off, that in this one small moment, it's going to make a big difference in their lives. And so we release them into your hands right now in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning while every eye is closed, you're like, man, Craig, would you pray for me that I'll make that one small change, that God would speak to me that one word and give me that one verse, because I want to be faithful in a small thing this year to see a big difference in my life. It could be a marriage, it could be a finances, it could be a parenting, it could be a walk with God. If you're here, you're like, Craig, would you pray for me that I'll be able to do that one thing faithfully for the whole year? Why don't you lift your hand right now in this place? If that's you, you're like, man, would you pray that I'll be able to be faithful with that one thing? Lift your hands right up high, right up high. Father, right now you see every hand that is lifted. Give them a word. Give them a word today, tomorrow. Give them a word. As they seek you, give them a verse to go with the word. And then give them the faithfulness to see that small thing become a great thing in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, thanks for joining us.